This morning's Dharma talk is titled, The Three Sufferings, Three Kinds of Suffering. And it's just a way of, a way of talking about it, uh, taking concepts and trying to point to something that we all have a pretty good idea what that is. The traditional idea there in Buddhism is, uh, is the Buddha taught sickness, aging, and death. We get sick, uh, we get older, we pass pass away, and then uh, the way it looks, we're probably some aspect of our whole dynamic here called a consciousness is probably coming back around. <clears throat> no guarantee of anything. So the first of the three sufferings is the one that's obvious, everyone knows about easy to describe, pain of pain, dukkha is a Sanskrit word, just basically anything from a toothache to being uh, uh, boiled alive in olive oil, painful. Just thinking about that starts to hurt. You notice that? Just to think about a particular kind of pain, we already starting to get a little leading edge of that pain. And so, the pain of pain is just like nerve ending pain, and that nerve ending can be physical, but it also can be some of the most excruciating pain is uh, mental, where some some aspect of your consciousness, you could say, you could say it this way, is attacking you, or not letting you relax, not letting you just Enjoy yourself. We've all probably had a, some experience, if not ourselves, have met somebody or talked to somebody that in the middle of a, uh, a nice summer day when it's 72 degrees and the sun is out and you're on a park bench and the wind is moving just slightly, feeling miserable because of what is happening in our consciousness and our mind. Or perhaps the person that we're, we're with that's happening. That still uh, could be called a pain of pain. The next one is the pain of alternation, or the the pain uh, of um, that we're it's basically impermanence. That that what we have something that we're really happy with, and we know because we uh, we can see what's coming. We know that we're going to lose that. So we already in the midst of the, the enjoyment we're having, we know suffering is on its way. So we we start to suffer right away before the actual situation comes about. Pain of alternation. And we can can respond to questions about this. The pain of pain of the third one is the pain of the composite or the pain of conditioned existence. And this kind of pain is uh, harder to see. It's easier to block it out. In fact, the very first kind of pain the pain of pain is the one that brings up the, the three poisons, brings up anger. It's just, you read really mad because we're having pain. Have any of you been in such pain that you just start to just get irritated and mad about the whole thing because it won't go away? Well, I have, recently. <laughs> well, maybe within the last few years. And this, the next one, the pain of... Uh, Pain of alternation, 
that one is tied into the uh, grasping, the, the passion part of the three poisons, that aspect of uh, avoiding reality. The third one, uh, it has been said, and I don't know if I agree with this, it doesn't make any difference whether I do or not, is uh, this, this kind of pain can only be seen thoroughly by a first level or someone entering the bodhisattva path whose sense of self-centeredness is so low that they begin to see more deeply into conditioned phenomena other than their own little uh, matrix of me, 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 and my stuff, my ideas, my hopes, my fears, my wishes, my, my failures, my... Um, accomplishments and so on, my family, my dog. I don't mean to be cute about it. I'm just saying that we, we actually do uh, have strong territoriality going on. <clears throat> so the last one, the pain of conditioned existence, goes in lots of directions. And I think everyone gets a glimpse of this. Uh, the, the one that I, example I've used, probably half a dozen times over the years I'd like to use because it everyone knows about this I think except maybe there's a couple of people in the world that probably don't wouldn't react to this or have it be affected but that that is uh, the image I'll paint for you here is uh, a 10 year old uh, child on a skateboard going down the sidewalk and you're just watching them you glance over and they and the skateboard hits a, a crack in the cement and they go down and hit on their knees Pretty hard to ignore that. Pretty hard not to feel some kind of visceral feeling of that situation. That's why we're. That's why we're so. Uh, because of that situation, our, our imagination is so vivid. I don't know if I would even call that imagination. It's some kind of uh, uh, some kind of um, composite situation that we're usually hiding out from. And that's the third uh, of the three poisons: that of uh, ignoring. So we have the first one, which shows up as being angry at being in pain. Uh, the next one is being grasping at trying to keep what we want from leaving or keep from what we don't want from getting here. Those two types of grasping, the active kind and the kind that is still grasping, grasping even though it uh, has a negative activity. <clears throat> So the uh, pain of the composite, or the third kind, also could be said to be, if you look at it, and uh, people have different levels of understanding here, um, you could look at it and see that just the very nature of, of being conditioned, the very nature of your, you have no say-so, you can't, you can't even go and, you don't even know how you got here. So you're... We try to get a little bit of control. I can control this. I can pick these up. I can put one back. I can put both of them back. So I have a little bit of say-so. But you don't have very much. And the the imputed or the idea or the imagined say-so is very limited. It's just to this little um, mandala of me, 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 and my stuff, my ideas, my hopes, my fears, my degree in uh, sociology, and so on. I don't have a degree in anything. So... But if you back up, if you go into the conditioning, into the composite further, go back into it, you see that you don't know how this hand got here that's even picking these up. You really, other than the, the, the imputed or imagined or laminated identity that you get from your environment, from your culture, from your thought patterns, from your hope, from fear, and all the, the stress that's going on in each person's personality that tends to cover up 
this aspect. Uh, this is a uh, ignorance, ignoring. This doesn't necessarily mean that that you can you can somehow get control by expanding your awareness in that area. What may happen is you may see how really, as an individual, helpless you are. This is not in line with most uh, ways of therapy or coaching or, or everybody's talking about trying to get a healthy self-image or ego. I'm not interested in that. So you could say uh, we might enjoy uh, ringing the bell or, what, or using something that we have in our house. But if you were to, if you were to able to go into the causes and conditions deeply, dependent origination, dependent origination, you were able to go into any, pick out anything and go back into where did this, what's, what's the origination of this had to be put together by people? Was it slave labor? Was it, were, were the people who were paid 50 cents a day to make this thing that we paid 50 bucks for? So I'm just saying, not accusing anyone of anything. I'm just saying that it's such a labyrinth of dependent origination that the self-centeredness tends to, if it starts to go out in that way, tends to withdraw back into me and I'll just do what I can, control what I can, I'll just, and so on and so forth. Whereas uh, someone who is on the Bodhisattva path of awakening, which, which is what this is, a Mahayana path, is about uh, being with all things, saving all beings. Tall order. Putting everyone else before yourself, that's uh, difficult to do. But you could start somewhere. Uh, if you are going to be relatively happy, you're probably not going to be happy by... Preventing the first two types of suffering. Bye. Yes. Uh, in the meal chants, we chant, um, may all beings enjoy happiness and the root of happiness, and I'm wondering what the root of happiness is. What do you think of it? I don't know. I don't either. Anybody else know? What's the root of happiness? Ice cream? Depends on the flavor. <laughs> Some ice cream sucks. <laughs> I know that. Some, you might as well not even be eating ice cream. It's so bad. Depends on the definition of happiness. Yeah. What is happiness? What, how would you define happiness? Well, I think we have a popular definition. Yes. And I think that's very sparkly and not yes. very accurate. Okay. So they have all the other words, contentment and happiness, and then uh, there's the then uh, Buddhism comes along and makes it even more complicated by talking about bliss. Give me a break. I'm not I'm not criticizing any Buddhist teachers that use that particular word or metaphor or whatever. It's fine. But but in order to really see or see what the root of that is we have to go down and see what the root of the suffering part, what the what the what is the difficulty fundamentally. You have to see that, and that is belief in a solid self that can win, a solid self that can lose, a, sol a solid self that can be born, a solid self that can pass away or die. 
We're not saying the body isn't, obviously, the body passes away, or is born, comes into existence, lasts for several decades, whatever, and then dies. But who you actually are is not just a, just the body. It's not limited to the body. And this has to be seen, as far as I know, through an awareness practice that is uh, that has to go against uh, um, a tremendous amount of uh, the force of karma. The force of karma is incredibly powerful, and it makes use of the self-centeredness to continually continue to per- perpetuate wars, stress, difficulty, winning and losing, uh, just even though we all like football, well, most of us, uh, or sports, that's actually a, a, a socialized form of warfare. I'm not against it. By all means, go ahead and do it. But it, but it does reify those, those tensions, just like some countries where they have, I think it's soccer, where they tend, people tend to actually beat each other up. Isn't, isn't soccer where they do that? Kind of carried away with the situation. Questions about the three three sufferings? Uh, it seems like impermanence and conditioned existence look they look really similar in my head. Can you draw a distinction? Well, impermanent, the way I was speaking about it in the second one, the impermanence is you have something and it's going away. And yes, the, the, the so-called foundation or, or underlayment for all of that is, is a condition arising. Everything is dependent on everything else or its apparent appearance. It appears and depending on causes and conditions, it goes away. Just like some, some people in perfect health <laughs> die and other people that are just whatever, abuse themselves and treat themselves terrible and drink and smoke and eat bad ice cream, you know, and they just go on living and living and living. One of the most irritating things 23 years ago when I was a heavy smoker uh, was the people who could smoke one cigarette a week. And usually it came out of your pack. <laughs> it was irritating. Hey, you got, could you spare one of those? I said, yeah. And then three or four days later, got another one of those. <laughs> they never bought any. They just smoked yours. So this, this uh, what I was talking about, the, or what I'm indicating by this, is the causes and conditions that arises Anything, everything is so incredibly vast and complicated. You, you, we try to find a way to control something, but quite often that, that control of that that uh, is, is based on a on belief that certain projections are actually facts or actually true. That if I can do this and this and this, then I'll get this kind of result. But we all know that that's doesn't happen that way. It's like um, just go on the internet sometime when you have some spare time. And, and just Google, uh, uh, what, is the, what is the right food to eat? <laughs> and you get, you know, you might get, if you, if you did some research, you probably could get a dozen or two dozen doctors, nutritionists that would disagree on that. What does that, what does that tell us? It just tells us, tells us that the people who are talking are not separate from the very conditioning that is pointed out by the Buddha of Pratitya Samutpada, or dependent origination. 
It look like individuals. We look like individuals. Have you noticed if you go to the, in the mirror, you don't see... I mean, if every time you went to the mirror, you saw Cody. <laughs> <laughs> that would be disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Something wrong with me. Behind you, or yeah. you are Cody? <laughs> you are Cody. Well, that would be pretty threatening, too. If you turn around and say, Cody the vampire. <laughs> So it's just that certain causes and conditions we start to rely on, the ones that are somewhat dependable, somewhat, because uh, they aren't going to last. We, we kind of lean on those. So I don't know if I extended into the other part of your question or not. If you can't remember it, that's probably why I can't remember it. So impermanence was part of it, and then... Uh, Conditioned existence, they seem similar. Yeah, they do. And so the conditioned existence just means that it's just extremely complicated, coming and going and appearing and disappearing. So um, impermanence, you can't, can't count on anything. You get a little bit of duration out of something, but not a lot. And, and there's no guarantee of anything. Even a person can meditate and meditate and meditate and, and never attain what they think is what they impute is realization. Possible to do that. But I would say, if that person were a student of mine, I would say, do it anyway. What else are you going to do with your life? You know, look, looking for success is, uh, takes a lot of energy. Don't do it. Be better to look at the failure. And this is not nihilism. This is not a negative way. It's you're, What you're doing is, if you had a car, well, let's be very practical, and the car was not running well, would you just focus on the parts that worked? Uh, I'm not going to be able to drive it. It needs a new transmission. But I'm just not going to think about that. I'm just going to think engine runs, okay, and tires turn, they all have air. I should just be able to think my way into driving this or making it work. So simple, uh, kind of a, a, a weak metaphor, but it, it's. But if you look at it to, to actually look away from the very causes and conditions that are rising in your own mind stream as negativity uh, to not actually look at that and, and begin to go in and investigate. See what that is. To actually shut that down with uh, ice cream or whatever. Or try to find some way to avoid that and get to something else. Not so good. Jesse? What do you think phantom pain is? Like think what is? Phantom pain, mm -hmm. like when someone's legs. That, that's what they. Yeah, that's what they call something if they don't know what it is. Because <laughs> they have to call it something. Oh, that's just phantom pain. Oh, okay, that's so helpful. <laughs> you know? But there's still a suffering there. Yeah. Still I know physical. the very the very pain you're talking about. I actually have. So it keeps me from sleeping. Pain in my legs. So you're pointing to that. And the causes and conditions that arise, I'm not saying they're not traceable or discoverable. You couldn't find, oh, that's being caused by this. But quite often, you can't find a, an actual source for that because of the nature of dependent origination. It's so vast and complicated. People who are trying to make money uh, will try to sell you some kind of idea or something to satisfy you. But it's... it's um, to continue to say over and over again how complicated it is uh, it might not be very helpful, but that's really the truth of it. 
Look at your own mind. Sit down for your own, those of you who, are, uh, who spend time on the cushion meditating. Sit down and look how complicated that is and how simple at the same time. The, the awareness is very simple, but what arises in the, in the awareness sometimes is uh, sometimes uh, like phantom pain. It just comes out of nowhere and it's some kind of anxiety about something. You have no idea what it is, some kind of paranoia about something not knowing what it is. And then that because the body mind are not separate, then that can turn over, that can show up in the body as an expression of the body. More? Well, I was playing with the concept of like an, an amputee, somebody who has pain in their legs, but their legs aren't there. Mm. Might compare you with your legs hurting and somebody with your legs yeah. are missing and their, their legs are hurting. I just, I think it has, uh, has to do with the nature of consciousness and it, it actually, it is actually a way of looking at consciousness to, to, uh, to show that you really don't need uh, a, a body to have uh, consciousness or awareness. Just like in a nightmare, in a dream, you're in a dream body running down a dream road, running away from dream monsters. You just had that dream. <laughs> so you're, and, and, but it's all a dream, and you wake up and you think, oh, well, it's just a dream. Well, saying it's just phantom pain is the same thing as saying, well, it's just a dream. We might, we might be labeling it, calling it something too quick. This is one of the reasons we have, uh, have our, um, is Chazan not here? Rumi has you. Rumi has Chazan. So just like uh, Chazan spent, uh, spent quite a bit of time in retreat, uh, developing a, a, a dream practice uh, uh, exercises for people. Just so you could, uh, I don't mean to be make a pun here, but just so you don't have to take all your dreams laying down. You can actually get, you can actually look at each dream. You can look at the nightmare. You can look at those uh, and be, be active in the sense that you're going to actually look at those situations rather than just... Uh, label them, make an assumption, well, it's phantom pain, well, it's just a nightmare, well, it's just, it's just, it's just. Actually go in and see what those are. This is what we're doing when we sit down on the cushion and face the wall. We're looking at uh, the pain of pain, the pain of alternation, the pain of conditioned existence, or the pain of composite. We're looking at those in different ways depending on what, what's happening in our own um, matrix of consciousness, of this body-mind uh, matrix that we think is someone. Look, look deeply and see if you can see. You, you're not going to disappear. What is what is here is going to be here. It's just that it's dependently arisen. It is not a solid being. It's not a solid self. And if you see that, if you really see it deeply, this is called liberation. And what is liberation? I don't know. Find out. Does the pain of the composite fluctuate like the other pains seem to? It's the easiest one for us to ignore because we we can be distracted into our own difficulty and our own uh, comings and goings, the things we're losing, the things we need to hang on to, are all those various things. So the pain of the composite is uh, is actually covered up by a kind of neutrality, we call it ignorance. So to sit and actually begin to look at that, this is what we're doing uh, as a, with the Bodhisattva vow, to be with all things. We're, we're endeavoring to extend ourselves with a Maitri Bhavana a prayer that we do. We're, it's not so much about 
the other that we're doing it for. It's more about us as re, reconfiguring, you could say, our conditioning to begin to be more and more and more open to everything that is arising around us. Even though there's no, uh, there's no kind of, there's no payoff particularly for that. More. You have to work with the spiritual path in terms of the relative. How, what do you mean? Um, just the way you said that with the, we're kind of reconditioning ourselves and it seems like we're having to play with the tools of relativity to work with the spiritual path. Yeah, well, one of the things you're doing is you're just, you're living in a monastery. So you, instead of doing what you were doing a year ago, uh, decided somehow it's come to you that this might be a better way to spend my time. So that's a very pragmatic decision to do that. If that's what you're asking about. If there's something more that I don't know how to put in the words I'm asking about, I don't know how to get at it. Well, I'm probably not going to be able to answer it. Yes. If for the most part we're ignoring the pain of the composite, do we experience that pain indirectly? I think it's possible. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to directly experience the pain of the composite? Um, a way of talking about that would be if there's no self and there's, if there's no, if you know there is no, if you know there isn't any solid being, there's still something, but there's no solid being, and you know there's no solid other, then, then the pain is seen as it is. But you're, you, but you're not going to, the way this structure is, you're not going to get it all at once because you'd be overwhelmed by it. You couldn't, you couldn't stand it. You'd explode. You know, you couldn't extend, you couldn't handle all of that. Sometimes, sometimes we run into waves of emotion that have to do with how others are feeling. That can be sometimes it's called compassion. Um, just uh, resonating with other people's difficulty is the personal part of it. Sometimes that's hard to do. Go ahead. What is it that filters that energy? I don't know. A thin protective layer. <laughs> yes. What is helping other beings? Uh, to start with, not not uh, uh, manipulating them or meddling with them. To begin with, in in your life, in your family, in your community, don't meddle with people based on your idea, your projection about what's right, what's wrong, what someone should do or shouldn't do. Hands off. But but the other way of saying it is awareness on. Keep your awareness on everything you can so that you can see what's happening. That way, if you do that, and if you are giving everything the benefit of the doubt for doing whatever it's doing, then if something does come up that is that needs immediate uh, something, push, it could be pushing, it could be pulling, it could be, it could be almost anything then you would do it out of your awareness rather than out of some self-centered idea of I'm right and they're wrong and they need fixing. You wouldn't even, you might be doing that if you're, if you're functioning out of awareness, you might be doing that without getting any credential whatsoever. I mean, you, someone might say, oh, that was great what you did. You wouldn't feel any, you wouldn't feel any, there's no one to congratulate. If you're operating out of your awareness, uh, then uh, the ego does not get a payoff out of that. Woke up thinking about the guys on the street, 
and Capital Avenue sometimes out to um, Beckley that are asking for money yeah. for food. I feel ignorant about whether that's going to help them or not. That, that's then your business. You want to help them? You're mentioning them. Go help them. It doesn't mean you have to turn over blank checks. Do a little bit. Do some. I, I sometimes I drive right by. We drive right by those people, and sometimes I look at them and I can't drive by. I have to come back, and I'm not going to give them a hundred bucks. Give them something. Help them a little bit. If everybody, you could say it this way: if everybody helped everybody a little bit, you wouldn't have people on the street with cardboard signs. The, the causes and conditions that got that person into that situation are untraceable, even for them. They, they might not even know. Occasionally, these days, we even hear people say, I don't know what happened, but uh, three years ago, I had a house, I had a job, I had a family, I was paying my bills, and now I have no house, you know, I'm living in my car. And, uh, you know, we don't know. It doesn't seem to work to say, well, you just need to go get a job or something, just like these people that are with the cardboard signs uh, in the 1950s, you never saw, when I was a young person, you never saw any, there, was, there, wasn't, there weren't any beggars. Everyone had, a, had employment because they were not, um, well, I don't want to go into the politics of it, we all know about that. But I would say help them, but, but don't, it doesn't matter if the person takes that you know, you give them five bucks or ten bucks or three bucks or fifty cents or whatever. It doesn't make any difference if they take that and go buy drugs with it. It's not your business. It's their karma. You want to help them? Help them where they need the help. They need some money. And to say, well, I'm not going to give them money just to go spend on drugs. Why not? It's their karma, not yours. They're the ones who need, need to awaken from that, not you. And they... And, by you, uh, there's also a possibility they'll go and get something to eat, but that's their business. Either, either if you're going to help them, then just help them. No, no second thoughts about it, because uh, overall, the causes and conditions that led that person into drug use are unsearchable, and there, and there, it could be you, it could be anyone here, it could could end up in a situation because of causes and conditions. <clears throat> More. That's a good, good question. The thing it came from was the, the conditioned suffering. Mm-hmm. It seems like uh, people are very sensitive to that. Yes. And it's, are the other uh, sufferings easier to work with? Like what? Um, well, immediate pain. That's easier to work with than the conditioned suffering? The, well, the immediate pain is... You have some idea of what it is and where it's coming from, and the causes and conditions are fairly obvious, at least immediately. Right then, uh, alternation, you can kind of see what that is, but the, the pain of the composite is very difficult to see it, to see how, that's why I say in that situation, the only criterion you need is if somebody's asking you for help, if you can help, then help them. You don't have to you know, go out and buy needles for them. I'm not talking about going the other way. I'm saying a little bit and no, with no, uh, um, no particular agenda about now. You, you have to use this on food. That's, that's a misunderstanding of the confusion. And it's very disrespectful to the person who, is, uh, who has an addiction or who is in an environment like that because what you're doing is saying that they're to blame for what they're doing. 
they, I'm not saying there isn't some responsibility, of course there always is. There's responsibility for all kinds of things, but to go into that as the only thing that you're doing, it's just too complicated. And, and as soon as you start blaming anything, all investigation ceases. You stop looking at anything because now you just believe your thoughts about it. And you'll even have conversations with another person. Have you ever seen the, that cartoon of the New Yorker of two people having a conversation looking at their hands across the table? That's because I haven't drawn that yet. <laughs> I don't intend to. Are those, are those mouse ears? Oh. I thought they were really sharp-pointed mouse ears. If we find ourselves blaming, how do we begin to retract that or pull back from that? Just look, just look at the blame and be responsible for it. The ability to respond is responsibility. No, there's no blame in there. That's a misunderstanding. Just that you respond to something. You actually see that you're doing that, be able to retract it. As soon as you see that that's what you're doing and that, that's, uh, that you're actually meddling with the whole situation, you're adding your own unexamined karma, causes and conditions your own passion, aggression, ignorance into that mix and uh, with the idea that you're going to somehow help or save something or you're going to be right and they'll be corrected. More? What is it that's um, kind of trying to cover up the blame? Um, more? Like if, if I'm endeavoring to just look at the blame, I you see that there's some kind of a like a pushing down on it, or like some some kind of like a, you don't want to look at look at that, or you don't want to you're blaming somebody, but you don't want to be you don't want to acknowledge that you're blaming somebody. There's a discomfort there, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, technically that's uh, the cliche mind. That's a uh, that's self-centeredness, wanting to be even if you want to be the Buddha, uh, that that has. A, qualities that are very self-centered. So it's the only, the only uh, way you can work with it is just that I know of is through awareness practice. Sit down, hold still, train your mind, do a lot of it. The force of karma, the force of causes and conditions is incredibly powerful. And each person's karma is the causes and conditions that arise as your lifetime are just, you, you can't fight with them. You can, but it's, it becomes circular, and then you get the feeling that you're getting somewhere. Have you noticed how going in a circle feels like you're getting somewhere? You haven't noticed that? It feels more and more like crap. Like what? Like crap. Crap, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you should spend more time at the carnival. <laughs> <laughs> like smoothed over, shiny, glistening, candy-colored crap. Like a tilt or something. Yes. Junchu. If we have, say, physical pain, and then we have additions onto that, like, I don't want this pain to be here, or why is that here? Is that more pain of pain, the additions? I, I feel that it pro probably is. That, that instead of just being with, when I say be with, just don't do anything with it. Just uh, feel, feel, feel that pain is the best approach to it because it's coming out of causes and conditions for you to do anything with it. It can cause it to what go underground or surface later, 
or maybe intensify because you're creating uh, some kind of warfare. Difficult. I know a few few years ago when I had really horrible back pain, it was uh, like, I don't know. I don't think it's too much of an exaggeration to say ice picks <laughs> in my leg and my back. Um, I, I remember feeling that that kind of anger at the whole thing come up because it wouldn't go away. It wouldn't even it wouldn't even dissipate a little bit. And uh, the what kind of drugs was I taking? Then uh, taking some kind of probably opioids of some kind, which is uh, terrible. You know, it turns your thought patterns to jello, or but not but the sugar free kind. Uh, and it's like, ugh, you know, you, at least the overtones of th that drug for me was like, it's just sickening. And I'm saying the person who invented this has never used this stuff because this is, it's like, it, it, it's, it makes it so you can't really relate to the pain as it actually is. You, you relate, relate to it through a, 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 um, through a consciousness that is kind of, uh, they, it actually drugs your consciousness so that you can't see clearly, you can't function clearly. I'm not blaming the drug necessarily. I'm just saying it just changes the weather for so that you can't see clearly what pain actually is. So, um, so your the good thing is if you have the pain, I'm not saying you shouldn't take aspirin to cut down on it, but those are those aren't uh, doing what some some of the opioids are doing. I'm not sure what they're doing, but my experience was pretty horrible. That was five years ago, four years ago. Really difficult stuff. More? I guess would it be similar with mental pain if you have a, an emotion come up and then we add on to, we keep our own suffering going? I think so. You, you said it. We, the pain comes up and then we do it, we usually do it with stories. We tell a story around, well, this shouldn't be happening. It's a story. This should not be happening. Well, this wouldn't be happening if. Well, if I could just find a way to uh, get rid of this or push it down or cover it up. So we've got nerve endings and all the sense fields, including the mind. There are the nerve endings in the mind that are really powerful. Just the imaginary situation is so powerful, like I was using the example of a nightmare. So less is better if you can take the opportunity that when you are awake and when you are not in pain to actually train, uh, sit down and train the mind to get really good at receiving whatever comes up. So you get, get really good at just whatever comes up, just receive, just receive. This way when you do three weeks, three months, three years from now, you get into a situation that's really, really rough, um, physically, emotionally or whatever, that, that that is coming into a mind that has been Train so that so that we can we can work with the karma that's arising as our lifetime. Uh, karma tends to, as we get older, in my experience, I'm older than anyone here. But in my experience, that it's it's that without this mind training, I, I just I wouldn't be alive. So because uh, just not that I have such great you know, muscles, awareness muscles or anything. It's just that I don't I don't fight with much. <clears throat> Doesn't mean that I don't have some difficulty or suffering comes and goes, but I, I don't object to it particularly. Not much anyway, little. More? Yes? Is, um, is accepting the pain a story about it still? Yeah, you don't have to accept anything. Accepting, rejecting, looking away. Those are the three. Don't do anything with it. 
And of course, when we do that, we notice that we're kind of spontaneously pushing out of their spine. But but then we're more we're more aware of it because we're actually setting a we're taking an attitude of having no position on it as much as we can. And then we notice how we can't help but take certain positions. But then it's coming. Then the awareness is there with that, seeing how that's being done. So there's a if there's a possibility of some of that uh, crazy energy dwindling down or winding down, then it's more likely to happen uh, in, in the open space of awareness rather than the closed space of, uh, of, of uh, agendas and I have to do this and I can't do this and I'm not going to take this anymore and little tiny mini lectures we give to ourselves that are basically self-centered, ego-centered. Does that practice of not having a position with it just show us how we don't have any say-so over, over the stuff anyway? I think it helps in that way. Uh, you know, the whole idea of making choices is, uh, is misunderstood and it's used to uh, pacify people. You need to make the right choices. And I'm not saying, sure, there's, there's some right choices, but there's way too much emphasis that's put on that and very little emphasis... Uh, in, in our culture, anyway, it's uh, uh, put on seeing the very nature of that, the very nature of choice, of uh, this or that. Should I do this or do that? It's, uh, it's extremely cloudy in that area. And quite often, the choices are based on hope and fear. If I do this, uh, this is probably going to work better than that. Is there a choice that's not based on hope? Yeah, but it's it's very simple, mundane. Like I just picked up my, so I made a choice to instead of sitting here, I made a choice to pick up the coffee cup. So I guess you could say that wasn't, or maybe it was a hope of the coffee would taste better. So I'm not sure where you're going with that. I mean, I follow what you're saying, but I don't know. Of course, there's different levels of it. The, the, the awareness around how that situation works is what's being emphasized. So let's let's see how this. What are the what to, to actually look and see what the difficulty is? It might be a better. It might sound like nihilism or uh, being negative. When actually, that's what we need to do. We actually need to look at the negative. This is the the message of the Buddha, dukkha. Life is suffering. The cause is wanting it to be different. Wanting something else. Or wanting, yeah. yeah wanting, and then the, the goal is that that can come to an end. And how does that come to an end? Through training our mind. To see clearly what is, we haven't looked deeply enough into this. The Buddhist spiritual path is not about believing in anything. That's, that's just a waste of time. But it is about taking nothing for granted and going down into the material and use, use concepts to help you get there, but the actual so-called heavy lifting, if I can use that metaphor, is done with the awareness, not the, con- not the conceptual mind. So we talk about excuse me, unconditioned existence and indestructible true self. Is there a contrast to the pain of pain in the absolute? Pain... I'm not sure how to respond. Uh, I'm going to do it this way. So, there, there's no, there's no solid being who's suffering. The suffering is still there. It just doesn't belong to an individual who is trying to avoid it, trying to explain it, or trying to shut down on it. So, the individual uh, 
the, the self-centeredness is not there. There's something, but not it's not doesn't have a strong agenda about anything, unless it's uh, unless that consciousness is on this path whereby it's uh, observing a vow to be with all things. It is endeavoring to take those parts of consciousness called other beings that think they're separate and, and think they have an axe to grind with the universe and uh, um, reading their cardboard sign. You don't have to do much, but what you do do with others is just, it's just that change, a change in uh, attitude about the whole thing. More about that if you have it. If the question is really clear, then I can answer it. See how cleverly I blamed him. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there is suffering in the absolute, it just isn't to anyone in particular? So the absolute, the, the relative and absolute are just words we use to begin to understand the deep nature of what this is all about. We have relative truth. This comes to this, makes a sound. Uh, there's, this is one thing, that's another thing, and together they make a third thing. The relative truth is like that. It's going, uh, causes and conditions are going like that. The absolute is, to use another metaphor, is, uh, is not separate from that, but not the same as that. So nothing happens in the absolute. And when you begin to understand that, you see that things both happen and they don't happen at the same time. This is called uh, Advaita, or non-duality. And it's Buddha, not only Buddhism, but uh, uh, Hindu traditions uh, talk about that, and probably shamanistic I'll do the same thing. Yes? I have a very direct question. Certainly. You find yourself in a karmic circle of pain. Mm-hmm. What do you do? <laughs> yeah, you. How do you get out of it? First, first you have to see that you're in it, and that seeing that you're in it might take weeks, months, years. But you have to, if you've been ignoring it for a long time, and then suddenly the it starts to you're getting down to the end of the cyclone, or you've left the center of the cyclone. You're starting to go out on the fringe where there's a lot of destruction going on. You have to, you have to, you have to create. I would say it this way: create some kind of silence and some kind of stillness. And the only way I know to do that, and I'm very biased in this area, and that's sit down. You don't have to do it in a zendo. You don't have to be a Buddhist. You have to sit down, hold still, all the senses open, and watch the cyclone. Because if you if you try to enter into it, you're playing its game. If you try to run away from it, you're playing its game. If you try to shut down on it, you're not separate from it. You're going to get caught up in it. And you, and you can't just go out and get a new pair of shoes and solve that problem. So, so begin now. Begin now. Begin now. So just set, set, up a, set up a time in a, an hour a day, two hours a day, whatever. Find time to sit down, hold still, and watch what moves, watch what moves. And, and you will notice that what moves it keeps changing and changing. Your body's always here. You're always looking. But what happens in the mind changes and changes and changes. And the very thing that's giving you so much grief right now will change, morph into something else, and it'll morph into something else, and it'll morph into something else. And you don't have to solve it. 
You have to see what it is. The solution is uh, that's uh, that's for uh, relative truth. That's for our culture, our society, our therapists, our psychiatrists, our everything. But you can do this yourself. How do I know? I don't know. I don't promise anything. Promises are cheap. You need to do it. You need to do it. You're asking me. As soon as you ask me, you give me permission to, to let you have it. And I'm saying you're, you have everything you need right now. All you have to do is begin to sit down, hold still, find out who you are. Then doesn't have to. You don't have to study Buddhism. You don't have to do anything other than you have to. You have to look deeply into your own uh, heart, into your own mind, and don't go to war with anything. And stop blaming yourself or anyone. But don't take your eyes off from it. But don't try to seal it up by blaming. This is what blaming looks like. This is what uh, accepting looks like. This is what rejecting looks like. So what is this? Awareness. Just awareness. Then everything is free to come and go, whether they're birds or whether they're bats or whether they're uh, tardigrades. Yeah. Uh, little tiny bugs. It doesn't matter. They can come. They're all welcome to come and go. It's like living in a house with no windows, no doors, and everything's just free to come and go. That's what a meditation is. That's what meditation, as it's taught here, is. Just sit down, hold still, and observe it. It's going to take quite a while, probably. You just have to schedule it every day at 7 in the morning or every day at 6 in the evening or something and schedule it and and don't look for results. Here's the result you want to look for. Am I sitting on the cushion? Am I looking at the wall? Are all my senses open? You passed. That's how it's done. Good luck. Let's see. How do you look deeply? By looking in the shallows. Didn't I just tell you that recently? <laughs> you have to look at the at what's shallow because if you're if you're already trying to use that polarity of deeply, then you have to you can continue to use that. You just have to look at the shallowness of what you're looking at initially, and then you can begin to find the depth. And at some point, the shallows and the depth are not separate. It takes a while of looking at polarity to realize that you can't have black without white. You can't have life without death. You can't have those. Those are those are the same thing from the point of view of realization. Yes, sir. Is helping other people reducing suffering? Probably. If you're if you're doing it in that way where you're not meddling, you just 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 a little bit of help for someone, just where you're you know, you're not looking for thanks, you're not you know, you don't care about that. You just someone asks you, you help them. And it, how much you help them is uh, is not so important uh, as that you just help them. So, what's the connection between reducing suffering and awareness? Are are we helping uh, people to be more aware? Yes, got to start somewhere. Might as well start with with you giving up, giving up a little bit of territory. Yeah, uh, you're at, you're actually you're giving up some territory, and if someone is um, just using that same example, if someone is asking for your help, and you you help them, so there's no you don't get a credential out of it, you don't have somebody off to on some side videoing this to put it on the nightly news so they can say, <clears throat> here's Joseph helping people again. I just don't know. I'm keeping score here fifteen times this week. He's 
So, you know, you're not looking for any kind of credential either from yourself or anybody else. You may not even, most you're going to get maybe as somebody these days, somebody saying, God bless you as, as they run away with your money. <laughs> but, but, so, Being concerned about what they're going to do with, with the money is, that means it's really just about you, not you. But I mean, if you're concerned about, you want to help somebody and you're concerned about, you want them to use that help in a certain way, then this is just just a highly stylized, polished self-centeredness. It's very difficult for me to accept. It, it sounds like I'm enabling somebody if I'm actively... You want some help? Sorry? You want some help? Do I want some help? Yeah. Yes. You're not. Just help them. Don't complicate it. You're enabling somebody. This is this is psychological language. This is just, you know, enabling. It's it, it, it takes the place of understanding. Uh, enabling actually is starting to blame somebody for something. It just doesn't work. It's 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 just a misunderstanding based on someone's idea. They want to help people. So let's see what can. Well, if you do that, you're enabling them. I'm not saying that something like that isn't happening, but don't na don't name it. Anytime you name anything, this is what happens. As I, you've heard me say, countless numbers of times, all investigation ceases. Thank you so much. stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our yellow chant books. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that are still in the hallway, ready to receive your generous donations. Also remind everybody about the all day this, this Saturday. Please join us at the forum. so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with life. 